Hey everyone, welcome to the Intelligent Conversations podcast where we believe everyone has a form of intelligence that resides within them. Our goal is to encourage these types of conversations for our audience to listen to. Without further ado, welcome to the show. Hey everyone, welcome to the Intelligent Conversations podcast. Today I have Jack Cameron. Uh, he has been a journalist, author, and is an activist on the topic of gender issues for men. He's coined the term counterfeminist, and I think we'll be hearing a lot about that from him today, so I'm pretty excited. So Jack, uh, I'm actually kind of interested to hear your thoughts on this. What exactly is a counterfeminist? A counterfeminist is a distant cousin to an anti-feminist. An anti-feminist is a person who hears women talking about the problems they have by virtue of being women. You know, they talk about feminism. And an anti-feminist says, ah, that's a bunch of baloney. I don't believe a word of it. Women are on a pedestal. They don't have any problems. It's easy for women. That's an anti-feminist. Somebody who says feminism is a bunch of baloney. A counter-feminist by contrast, is someone who says, who listens to feminists talk about sexism against women, discrimination against women, the problems women have by virtue of being women. The counter-feminist listens to that and says, yes, yes, and, and let's talk about the problems that men have by virtue of being men. Let's talk about sexism against men. Let's talk about stereotypes and biases against men. Uh, there are two main mottos uh, or two main sayings that a counterfeminist might use. Uh, one is that um, feminism is 50% correct. And if you don't understand that, you're 100% wrong. All right. The second thing, the second thing is the most sexist idea of all is the belief that only one sex is ever harmed by sexism. So you use those two ideas, you sort of get, you know, what a counter-feminist is about. Um, yeah, women women uh, have problems by virtue of sexism, because of sexism. So do men. And for 60 years, we've talked about it. We've talked about women's problems by virtue of being women. We haven't done much talking about the problems men and boys uh, have by virtue of being male. And we need to do that. So... Yeah, so I'm, I'm going to kind of just ask a question off of that. What, what would you say is some of the problems then facing men that are sexist towards us? Well, let's, let's back it up a little bit. And let me just answer what are some of the issues we face by virtue of being male because of sexism, because of stereotypes, because of societal expectations. Well, one would be we commit suicide about three and a half times more often than women and girls do. That might be worth talking a little bit about. Do you ever hear anybody talking about that? No. Not really. No, the excuse that's often given is, well, you know, men have more access to guns than women do, women and girls do. Well, you know, uh, women and girls have access to carbon monoxide. They have access to ropes. They have access to knives. They have access to bridges that they can throw themselves off of. So, you know, virtually whenever there is a problem that men want to talk about, uh, concerning what's going on with us uh, by virtue of being male, there's a ready answer to dismiss it. Oh, it's not important. Women really have it worse. There's also a, a funny little saying that those of us in the men's movement uh, have. Uh, it, it's a, 
sort of a meme, and it shows a headline, a newspaper headline saying, World to End Tomorrow. And then the subtitle, the subheadline is, Women Hardest Hit. Yeah, so there I... it is. <laughs> World to End Tomorrow, Women Hardest Hit. It's always worse for women. Always worse for women. And, um, and I don't want to get into an argument about who's got it worse, but there are problems that men and boys have that deserve at least a little consideration, at least a little addressing, at least a little recognition. Now, one of the very worst examples I can give you of sexism against men is the fact that President Biden, even before he was sworn in, announced, and then right after he was sworn in, he actually created a White House Gender Policy Council. Council in the federal government that is devoted to looking at the problems that occur in our society around gender issues. Um, I mentioned suicide, much harder, higher for, for men and boys, life expectancy, life expectancy, educational underachievement. Um, did you know that two thirds of the opioid deaths in this country were male? I had no Most idea. <laughs> no, nobody, nobody talks about that. Now, if two-thirds of the opioid deaths were, were women, girls, we would have heard about that, right? Oh, yeah. So, so we have a White House Gender Policy Council that is avowedly, specifically, not trying to hide it, just saying, yeah, we're about women and girls. And they do not care, do not talk, do not recognize, do not devote any attention to the problems of men and boys. How can this be? How can this be? It's not good. It's not healthy. Yeah, that's an excellent point you bring up. I think, I mean, at the end of the day, women and men are going to face problems or whatever, but if we only focus on solving one of the gender's like issues that they have, then the other one's going to get left behind. You mentioned that uh, education. I see that all the time. Men are totally getting downplayed, like, especially uh, STEM activities and stuff. They're always catering towards women. I'm like, yes, we want them in there. We want them in those type of like jobs and stuff, but at the same time, we can't leave uh, men behind in that. And I, I like that you uh, kind of touched on that. Well, good. I'm glad you like that. And let me pick up on that. Um, I, I bill myself as the counter-feminist social worker. Now, you mentioned STEM, and I think it's fine that we um, are trying to get women into science, technology, engineering, and math. It's fine. Uh, we need all the talent we can get. It's a shame to waste that talent um, and to tell girls that uh, you know they're not welcome in these professions. Um, but you know, the idea that women bring any particular perspective to science, technology, engineering, and math is sort of questionable, especially in comparison to what I'm going to mention in a second. I mean. You know, when, a, when, a, when an engineer is designing a bridge, you know, you run some calculations and the calculations that a, a male engineer is going to run are going to be pretty much the same as the calculations that a female engineer is going to run. And there really isn't much of a female specific perspective on what a bridge needs to have to be safe and sturdy. Now, there is nothing of the sort, no STEM program at all in social work. I got a master's in social work. Social work is about 88% female. 
is there any discussion, any discussion about trying to get more men into social work? The answer is, I don't know of any, and I've tried to get it going, and social workers just are not interested. Now, it seems to me that if there is value in having diversity, gender diversity, in a field like engineering, there is at least as much value in having gender diversity in a field like social work. Because if there is value in having a woman's perspective on how to build a bridge, there is at least as much perspective, at least as much value on having a man's perspective on how to build a family, how to build a community, how to build a society, not mentioned at all. In fact, Social work has, well, the, the accrediting body for social work schools is called the Council uh, for Social Work Education. The Council for Social Work Education has a feminist scholarship award. Feminism has to be part of the curriculum of social work schools. You know, we have to talk about the oppression of women. And who's, the, who's doing the oppressing? Well, you know, those naughty, bad, evil men, of course. And so whenever there's a problem between men and women, the default position is, well, you know, it's the man's fault, you know. Um, TMM BMW, the man must be made wrong. TMM BMW, the man must be made wrong. You know, even if, if you have to go way out of your way to cook up some idea for how he's wrong, he's, he's wrong because the sisterhood of social work requires that Sisters stick together. And if a woman has a disagreement with the man, well, he's got to be wrong. It's got to be his fault. Because otherwise, you have to tell the sister, the woman, that, you know, maybe she did something wrong. And that wouldn't be sisterly. Now, compare that to, to, the, to, the, to, the, to male culture. If you do something wrong, Josh, I'm probably going to say to you, hey, Josh, man, you really blew it. You shouldn't have done that. Exactly. Talk about that. Let's talk about that. You know, you hurt those people over there. Let's talk about what you can do better next time. That's male culture. And it's a good thing. A female culture doesn't quite have that same idea of honor. And female culture has a lot of good things to it. But, you know, so does male culture. And when women do bad, when men do bad things, men call other men on it. Uh, not every man calls every man, every man on whatever bad thing a man does, but it's part of our code of ethics. You know, it's just one of the things that we're proud about, that we take responsibility and we call each other out if we have to. There's nothing like that in, in female culture. It's you go, girl, and oh, poor baby, you, you must have really felt bad to do what you did. <laughs> You know, we got to stop that, especially, you know, when we have families falling apart right and left, especially when we have whole communities where there are very few fathers having any influence over the lives of their kids. You know, the idea of diversity requires that we listen to men's point of view about how to raise kids as much as to women's point of view about how to raise kids. Men aren't right, women aren't right, but we're both right when we listen to each other and respect each other's perspectives. But, you know, social work and I think the, the society generally is not very respectful 
of men's abilities to be good, valuable, nurturing parents. It's very much like 60 years ago. The society, our society did not respect women's ability to do math, to be business managers, to make hard decisions. Um, but, you know, after 60 years of that, you know, how about a little equal time? Yeah, I, I see that. I, I, I actually, uh, I remember, uh, I can't remember the name of the article, but I was reading it or whatever, and this, they were interviewing this guy, and they're like, why do you think uh, guys aren't getting married as much? Why aren't they like developing relationships? Like you said, starting families, developing a good community. And I remember the guy, he just said, he's like, well, I have more to lose at this point. Like if I get a divorce, then I have a chance again. My I'll never see my kids again. And then I also have a chance that all my like possessions are gone. Like, yes, if I did a bad thing, then yes, I probably should be punished. But at the end of the day, it's like, is it really equal in that aspect? I, I don't know. I kind of want to hear your thoughts on that. Well, if, uh, you know, if a man does something wrong, uh, you know, maybe he, sh he should be, he should be called to account, you know, whether punishment's the right, you know, thing, r right way to think of it or not, uh, you know, it depends on the circumstances, but he should be called to account. Um, and the circumstances you just talked about certainly can happen where the man does something wrong and he suffers bad consequences. But those same exact things can happen when a man does nothing wrong. It can happen, those same exact things can happen when the woman says to her husband, honey, I fall in love with someone else and I'm gonna move with him to Idaho and of course I'm taking the kids. Yeah, I, I, I definitely agree with that. See you kid, you know, maybe I hope Hope I can save enough money to fly out to Idaho to see you. It's, it's, uh, it's not right. It's not fair, and um, and and it's destructive. Yeah, it's socially destructive. It's not good. It's not good for our society. You know, we we, we talk a lot about how women have brought good things to business, and women did bring good things to business. You know, less emphasis on. Uh, cutthroat competition, more emphasis on teamwork, that kind of thing. Um, but, you know, men can bring some good things to women's domain. Women's domain essentially is family and parenting. Men can bring some very good character, very good qualities, points of view uh, to the raising of children. I mean, you know, if you look at some of our communities, and, and you know, there's some of this in virtually every community, the kids are out of control sometimes. And one of the reasons is because they lack the influence that men more typically than women apply to the upbringing of their kids. You know, consequences, look, you're going to do this. And if you don't do this, you're going to have this consequence. And if the kids go, oh, please, you know, the man's not likely to say, okay, honey, just don't do it again. The man's more likely to say, no, I told you what the deal was. You didn't do it. If you'd like some help in learning how to do it, that's great. But, you know, here comes here comes the consequence. And, you know, to, to dismiss men, to dismiss men's abilities to bring valuable perspectives, points of view, values to families and communities is at least, at least as reprehensible, bad, harmful as um, demeaning and uh, disrespecting women's ability to do math and science and, you know, be managers of some big corporation. 
I mean, it, which is a bigger insult? You can't do math or you're a scumbag uh, to your kids. You know, it's just, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and that's that's often what we, what the message we give to men and fathers, and not just fathers, but, you know, to men in general. Um, you know, if a man, if a man doesn't make money, he often has no place in his culture, no, no place in his community. He's a loser. He's scum. He's a bum. Get rid of him. Yeah, I, I def. Yeah, sorry about that. Uh, yeah, I definitely uh agree with all those points you just made. I, I have to say, uh, so it's almost like in a way that it's like a balancing act. Like women bring this to the table, and men's bring this to the table, and then in a way they kind of use their strengths and weaknesses to try and propel themselves to, like you say, a better society, a better community better families and just yeah, so things like that. Just think of, a, think of an individual marriage, one man and one woman. Which, what's a healthy marriage? Where they talk to each other, they listen to each other when they got a problem to solve. What do you think? What do you think? Well, maybe, well, can we do this? Can we try that? Let's try, okay, let's try this now. And if it doesn't work, we'll try this next. It's healthy communication. Um, feminism has done a pretty good job of silencing men. You know, when feminism started, well, actually, before feminism started, you, you ever heard of Betty Friedan? I have not. Okay, Betty Friedan wrote a book called The Feminine Mystique, and it's generally credited with starting the modern women's movement. She talked about the problem that has no name. You know, women back in the 60s, you know, stuck at home all day, were going crazy. Uh, you know, they had college degrees, but, you know, they, their role was to stay at home, and it was making them crazy. They were popping Valiums, having martinis in the afternoon, you know, getting drunk. It just wasn't working for them. So Betty Pradam wrote about that. But at the same time, in that same book, she wrote about how all of this was affecting the husbands and the fathers and the men. And she was very sympathetic to men. Well, along comes um, radical feminism, a group called a group of women called the Red Stockings. I think they were either in New York or Boston. And they issued the, the Red Stockings Manifesto. And it basically said, we identify as an oppressed group. We are oppressed. Women are oppressed. And we identify men as our oppressors. So instantly, we are the enemies. We don't need to talk to you because you're bad. We don't need to listen to you because all you want to do is oppress us. You know, here we are in an era where women have helped us see that it's really good and important to listen to your stakeholders and really listen to everybody's point of view and try to find a win-win situation. And in this era where all of that is supposed to be the case, it's really mind-boggling how thoroughly men have been demonized, shut up, and kicked off, kicked away from the table. We don't have a seat at the table. And, and you know the saying about, if you're not at the table, you're on the menu? Uh, I think I've heard that a couple of times. Heard, yeah, and we're on the menu. I mean, we're getting sliced and diced and, and uh, our interests, our value, our place in society is, is being decimated. It's not good. Yeah, I, I have to say that, uh... That you bring up a lot of great points that I would say that I've never actually like thought of it in that way before, and that I I love that you like are sharing that with me. So I kind of want to like 
getting a little bit like how did you like what is kind of like your career path to how you got to where you were today because i mean i think you you mentioned that you were a social worker and that it's like 88 percent women that are in that field i kind of want to know a little bit more about that okay well i um went back to social works i went back to school when i was let's see it was 2005 i was 54 years old when i went back to school i quit my job i was an it person at a big organization in Washington, D.C. Had a pretty sweet job, but I didn't really care about that organization. I didn't really care about their mission. I do care about the social issues of men and boys. So I quit my job and went back to school to get an MBA, MSW, dual degree, Master from Business Associate, Business Administration and a Master from Social Work because I was concerned about the social issues of men and boys. And with the MBA, I had, I hoped that maybe I could uh, start or manage a program of some sort. It, it, it never happened. Now, how did I get the idea in my head that there were social problems for men and boys? Well, we back up from 2005 when I went back to school to 1980, uh, 1982 when I was on a co-ed softball team. And um, we would go out after our games on Tuesday nights, after the games, we would you know, go out for dinner and drinking and dancing and partying. And it was always great fun. And then, you know, after a while, we'd sit down and have our dinner. And, and um, two weeks in a row, this happened to me. One of my female teammates was sitting me down and talking to me about her boyfriend. Now, I'm a good listener. I like to listen. I'm very interested in what people have to say. So two weeks in a row, telling me about their boyfriends. And both times, these women ended their stories about their boyfriends by saying something to the effect of, and so he's a real jerk, don't you think? And I said, well, you know, maybe he's a jerk, but, you know, based on what you're telling me, maybe the way it looks to him is such and such. I don't remember what the details were, but I said something that would was perfectly obvious to me as a possibility, would be perfectly obvious to you as a possibility. And both times the women said, oh my God, I never thought of that. And so it, <laughs> and, and so it occurred to me that maybe the male point of view is just really not very well valued, understood, respected. And maybe also it's not being very well articulated because in a lot of ways men are afraid to tell women what we what we really think and what's really going on with us, you know, there's a lot of disincentives for men to be truthful uh, when there's something going on with a woman that's a problem. So um, I came home and and I was I, I spoke to my 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 girlfriend. She was also on the team, and I said, you know, that, that was pretty interesting. And maybe I think I'm, I think I want to start a radio show. No, no, I think I want to start a magazine to talk about these issues because they're they're important. And it's just mind-boggling that that the male point of view is just nowhere to be found. And she said, well, look, printing is expensive. Postage is expensive. Maybe instead of doing a magazine, why don't you try to do a radio show? And, you know, bing, 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 bingo. That was a good idea. I went to a, a local station north of Baltimore at a, at a university, Towson University, and pitched this idea of doing a show. And they said, sounds pretty cool. And I did it from 1983 to 1989. Now, it didn't take long doing a show every week about what's really going on with men to find guests who wanted to talk about serious social problems. 
And, you know, the more I did the show, the more I recognized that this is not just about, you know, having happy dating relationships. This is about serious social problems, um, you know, including, you know, the, the, the distress that we see in our most distressed communities. Um, so that goes to 1983. I can back it up a little bit more if you'd like. Yes, yeah, sure. I will. Okay. I, I'm going to go back to when I was a little boy. You know how how we have learned that it's not a good thing to say to a girl who's good at sports, gee, Susie, you're really good at sports for a girl, right? You don't say that, you know? So um, we also know that it's not good to say to a girl, gee, Susie, you're really good at math for a girl because that's sort of a left-handed compliment. What I used to hear as a little boy was, gee, Jack, you're really good with babies for a boy. <laughs> I knew something was up with that. And, you know, there again, you know, which is a worse, which is a worse insult to say to a girl, you know, you really shouldn't be worrying about um, doing math and science. Or to say to a little boy, you really shouldn't worry about being good with kids. And, you know, when you're a father, you're not going to need to be good with kids. Same thing. Which, which is a bigger slight? Which is a, a worse thing to say to somebody? You know, which is worse? We could argue about that. But it's certainly bad to, to dissuade little boys from developing their uh, nurturing capabilities because we need those nurturing capabilities to be firmly established and well-developed in, in boys if we want them to be um, interested in being uh, family men, fathers, grandfathers. Uh, you know, we need we need male talents in families at least as much as we need female talents in business. So that's that's that was. So I'll just say I was a little boy then, and even probably I don't know I was I don't know eight maybe. Even then, I didn't know exactly what was going on, but I knew something was up with that, and it wasn't right. And, you know, maybe that just sort of predisposed me to seeing all the stuff I see now. Yeah, I like the points that you brought up here. Uh, I think it kind of just comes back into, like, a balance. Like, we need to bring, you know, like, males' uh, nurturing skills, like you said. We need to bring that up, and a woman can help with that in a marriage, like, teach you and, like, say, hey, if you're good at this, let's help develop that skill. And then same thing goes for women, I think, when they go in and they're like, I'm really good with numbers and I can, you know, I can build a bridge, then it's the same thing that we need to like, I think it all comes down just to balance. We need to balance out the two genders and not skew too much one way or skew another, like the other way as well. I think that's kind of what you're getting at. I don't know, maybe I'm completely wrong, but that's that's what I'm getting right here. No, 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 you're, you're talking about balance and that's, that's certainly got to be part of the equation. Uh, the, 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 you know, the noun that comes up for me, uh, along with balance is respect. You know, the men, men and women need to respect each other. And I got to say that, um, it looks to me like men are doing a lot better job respecting women these days than women are doing respecting men. I mean, you know, men can't say anything now without it being called mansplaining. Oh, you're mansplaining. Thank you for having the confidence of a mediocre male and telling me what's up. Well, you know, what has feminism 
then other than 60 years of femsplaining, 60 years of women telling us what our lives are like and how lucky we are to be men and be out there working 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 hours a week at jobs we probably don't even like, trying to make money uh, for kids that we don't get to see nearly as much as we'd like to and who might, in fact, have been taken to Idaho. And if we're lucky, we get to see them for two weeks every summer. You know, come on, please. Um, let's let's have some uh, let's have some respect. Let's listen, please, because we have a lot to say. And if you listen to us, we can really be much better allies than if you preach to us and blame us and scold us and uh, try to spin everything that happens between men and women in the way most favorable to you and least favorable to us. I mean, just listen to the idea of believe the woman. Now, suppose suppose you were in, in college somewhere and you had a date with some some woman, some co-ed, some, I don't know if co-eds, you probably can't say that word these days. So some female college student, and you have a date or two with her and you decide you don't like her and she likes you and she's gonna get back at you for breaking up on her, breaking up with her. Well, it's not real hard for her to accuse you of something. Um, and to have the college tribunal process be based on believing the woman is just another way of saying, call the man a liar. That's not balance. That's not respect. That's not fair. It's not healthy. And it makes men really, well, unhappy, makes men not trust women. It makes men not want to go to college. Uh, it's just not a good thing. Believe the woman, which is just another way of saying, call the man a scumbag. It's just wrong. I I like that in the way, because I think it, again, like, what the women br brings to the table or whatever, I, like, again, I've heard, like, guys say, hey, I'm, I'm not going to get in a relationship because it's just not worth it. At, like, at this point, like you've said, there's just so many issues they can run into just even getting into a relationship. So it's just like, honestly, I'm fine just being on my own and then just, you know, just living life on my terms type of thing. And in a way, I think women and men need each other because, I mean, we're going to get nowhere if, like, as a society, if we don't rely on each other. But that's the thing. We can't just degrade one over the other or just, like, uplift one over the other. And I think you've been touching on that, like, really well. So... I think we're going to kind of be wrapping up here. So, I mean, what do you want the audience to remember about Jack Cammer? What do you want everyone to remember about you? Well, let's see. I would like your audience to maybe listen to my podcasts. I have two podcasts. Um, one is called Men Are Talking, in which I interview men. And I have another podcast called Goodwill Toward Men, in which I interview women. Um, so those two podcasts and, um, you know, if, if people would listen to those and like them and give a good review and tell their friends, I would love that because this is my life. I mean, this is the most important thing in the world to me. And, uh, you know, like you, I want, I want to have people enjoy the content and, and, and benefit from it. Yeah, thank you for coming on. If we've definitely been having, uh, I would say, an intelligent conversation, definitely something that not too many people, I would say, are comfortable talking about. And you just laid it all out there. And I have to say, 
sometimes we just need to lay it out there because how else are we supposed to know? Yeah, we do need to talk. Men, men are talking. That's why I call my podcast Men Are Talking. The, 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 uh, the tagline uh, of, the, of the title is sometimes just talking can be a revolutionary act. That, that right there is, that's some wisdom right there. I, I'm not, <laughs> I, I love that tagline. So I'll definitely be giving a couple of your uh, podcast episodes a listen, hearing it, because you definitely have some great ideas and great things that I think do need to be addressed. So uh, everyone, that is Jack Kammer. And as we can tell, that is an intelligent man that he has a ton to offer on the table. And tune in to next week's episode. Uh, I look forward to that as well. And we'll see you guys next week. And let's get after it. Hey, everyone. If you liked this episode and would like to hear more, be sure to hit that subscribe or follow button. We release a new episode every Wednesday for you guys to listen to. Thank you guys so much for the support that you give. We could not have done this without you guys. If you would like to be a potential guest on the show, check out intelligentconvos.com and there should be a form there for you guys to fill out. Thank you guys again and let's get after it.